in obedience. Let's turn to the word this morning. We're going to go to John chapter 21. And uh, we're going to start at verse 15. Today we're going to look at a study on, on a man named Peter and the ups and downs of his life. And in this series called Mask, if this is your first time here, we've been in this series called Mask, and it's about just taking off the layers that that we show people in order to get to our true selves. And uh, we discuss a lot of biblical characters along the way to exemplify that. But today we're going to study this guy named Peter. And in verse 15, it said this, so when they had finished breakfast, which is a good thing, come on, who loves breakfast? Hallelujah. Praise God. When they finished breakfast and and I kind of picture Jesus as a Belgian waffle kind of guy. It's me because he likes to break bread. Come on. That's just me, whatever. But <laughs> Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, fine, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time. Everybody say a second time. A second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, everybody say a third time. Third time, Simon said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. I want us to highlight that statement. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show them by what kind of death he was going to glorify God with. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me, follow me. It's incredibly difficult to follow a Jesus if you don't know how much you love him. And so with every question, every time that Jesus kept asking him, do you love me, do you love me? I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus was pulling away layers to get to the true Peter in that moment. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Who's ready? Show me. So let's say this together. Say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I wish you had Nicole's energy this morning. Stephanie's, sorry, Stephanie. She said that prayer like she was like a hype man in a hip-hop group. She's like, I'm here. I'm ready. You got to bring that energy. Sorry, I couldn't see you. Black shirts. <laughs> but uh, hey, listen, um, I need some encouragement here. Um, my wife and I have a bet. <gasps> Your pastor bets. Yes. My wife and I have a bet. And the bet is this, that she thinks, well, we said that if I don't have ice cream this whole entire summer, she has to buy me these pair of sneakers that I want. Ice cream. The whole summer, the whole summers, right? And, uh, and some of you might be asking, what kind of sneakers do you want? And, and listen, 
I'm not materialistic, but I just love these sneakers. And there's these pair of Jordans that I want. And they're not astronomical, so don't be like, oh, you're using money negatively. No, it's not wrong to have things. It's wrong when things have you, right? And, and so yeah, I'm a sneakerhead, and so there's these, there's these Jordans that I want, and they're called the Mocha Jordan 3s. And they're all white with this little Mocha trim on it, and it's like, this is what I want. And so, so far, so good, people. We're entering into August, and have not had one scoop of ice cream. <laughs> not one. Um, What's that? Around her. No, even, even, I'm, listen, I'm not materialistic and I have integrity. Come on, somebody. <laughs> even when she's not around. Because she, you know what it is? She has moles everywhere. So she'll know. She'll know. <laughs> so I'm a sneakerhead and, um, and some people know that. And recently, um, and I hate to bring this up, but this is just, truth. Um, in March, there's this Instagram account that came out, and it was called uh, Preachers and Sneakers. Um, have you heard of this? It came out in March, and uh, please do yourself a favor. Um, as much as I'm telling you this story, don't go look at the account. It's very toxic, um, because at first it started off as a little tongue-in-cheek thing, just kind of poking at some, some, some high-level preachers out there with some really expensive sneakers, and, um, and, and the wolves came out right? The sharks came out. They smelled blood. And, and if you look at the comments, you literally will hate the church um, because people are just attacking these pastors and, and calling them out and, and everything like that. And listen, this is where I land on all this. Not that you care, but I'm telling you anyway. This is where I land on all this. Um, it's none of my business. That's where I land. It's none of my business what they wear and what they do, you know? Um, I do believe that at times, some pastors will misuse finances in a wrong way, and that happens. But I also believe, and in fact, there's a couple of them on this, this feed that I, that I actually know um, that there are pastors who, man, they used to be poor. There are pastors that struggled, and they work really, really hard. And now that they have influence, people will gift them these things, right? They'll gift them these things. And, and one of them even told a story of how they were gifted. Um, they, they, they run a church in, in California, and they were gifted this jacket, and the jacket was worth $3,000. And, you know, and, and some people were like, oh, how can you wear that up on stage and that kind of stuff? And they said, it was a gift. And this is what they said. You should sell that and give it to the poor. That's what they said. And I'm like, hmm, when I look at scripture, the last person who said you should sell that and give it to the poor, his name was Judas. But it's incredibly difficult. So he actually did it. He sold the jacket, gave it to the poor, and it offended this fashion guy, offended him because he's like, man, I gave that to you because of how you've impacted my life and discipled me and mentored me. I gave that to you, and you turn around and sold it, um, and it hurt him, you know? So you're darned if you do, and you're darned if you don't. Why am I telling you this? Just to give you uh, this context of, I had a, f a conversation with a friend recently who came up to me and said they were just really, really like upset about this feed. And they were just talking about how, um, man, like there's just, it's just disgusting. It's sickening how much these pastors are, are utilizing money and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I tried to sober that person uh, and tell them, listen, maybe there are bad pastors and maybe there are actually good pastors that unfortunately are stuck with bad narratives. Yeah. 
right? Unfortunately, you're stuck with bad narratives, and, and you can't judge from a distance. You just can't judge from a distance. You can't. You can't. Because everyone has keyboard muscles, right? Keyboard muscles. You just comment whatever you want and feel like it's okay. And that's the first thing. The second thing is that you just don't know the story behind it. It's incredibly difficult because I believe that there are up and outs and there are down and outs, right? And to influence the up and outs, unfortunately, I can't roll up in there in a pinto, right? Sometimes to, to influence them, I'm not saying to roll in there with a Rolls Royce or something like that, but I can't just roll in there because they're going to look at you like, who are you, right? And, and so, we, we judge people from a distance, and I believe that's incredibly toxic, incredibly toxic, because we don't know that person. We don't. We do it with celebrities. We do it with people that we know on our social media feed. And that element is increased because of social media, right? Why am I boring you with this social narrative? I'm getting there because I believe that because of our lack of vulnerability in the church, we have not created this level of safety for people to say what they're struggling with, for people to confess what they're struggling with, and more importantly, for people to get liberty from what they're struggling with. Because we're a part of this culture that loves to judge people from a distance. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. And so I tried to pray and, and, and listen to God and be honest with you, I was struggling. How do you close this series about self-awareness and about um, understanding who we are and understanding where we are when it comes to my fellow man and, and, and to create, again, this level of authenticity, this level of safety where we could come to each other and grow as a community? How do you close this? And the way I'm going to close it is to get to the level of this, to understand that it will cost us something. It's going to cost us something. If we're really going to be a church that's authentic, that's vulnerable, that's safe for other people, it is going to cost you something. And it might cost you criticism. And it might cost you even your own safety to make someone else safe. Can I get an amen this morning? It might cost you that. And so to close this series, that's what I'm going to talk about today. The cost of vulnerability. But some of you don't even remember what we talked about day one, so I want to recap that real quick, right? The first part of this series, we talked about the importance of getting rid of masks and why it's important. And the first thing is that it's hard for you to feel loved until you're seen. We all walk around with masks and we don't understand the level of love that people have for us, that God has for us, until you take off your mask. Until you take off your mask. So it's hard for you to feel loved until you're seen. The second thing is that you cannot break free from something you're not willing to confess. Or in other words, you cannot break free from something you pretend isn't broken. Right? So we have to get rid of our mask. The third part that we talked about in week one is that you cannot engage with God with wearing a mask. Sometimes I feel like we fall short. We're praying to God and we say these scripted prayers and it's not authentic enough. And then we wonder why we're not having a dialogue with God. Hello. Because God wants to talk to you. He does not want to talk to your mask. He does not want to talk to your mask. So that's what we talked about week one. Week two, we talked about the first five questions that God asked humanity. And the first question was, where are you? To determine where you are in your relationship with God, where you are in your relationship with others is important. And then he asked the question, who told you? Who told you? And that's a question of your sources. Where are you, who are you listening to? Where are you getting your information? Because if, if you're not leading a life full of power, love, and a sound mind, then you're not listening to God. 
Who are you? And then, I mean, where, where are you? Who are you listening to? And then, and then what is this you have done? To take inventory of the actions that we have in our life. And then the fourth question was, why are you angry? Why do you feel the things that you feel? And most of the time we discovered that under anger is always fear. Always fear. Most of us, when you get ticked off, just to sit back and ask yourself, I am afraid of something. And that is self-awareness. And then the last question that he asks is, where's your brother? Remember when he asked Cain and Abel, where's your brother? Where's your brother? And that is, that built inside of us social awareness. Am I really stewarding the people around me? Because folks, that is church. That is church, stewarding one another. And and we have to allow God to ask us the questions that we need to hear ourselves answer. We need to hear ourselves. He knows the answer already, but we need to hear ourselves answer. So that's what we talked about the second week. And last week we talked about the steps to unveil the true you. And I said that we have to disarm shame. That's the big one. Why? Because shame does not bring change. Shame, it shows how much you guys paid attention. Shame does not bring change. So today, we're going to talk about the cost of vulnerability, because it is going to cost us something. It is not going to be free. Salvation is free, but this culture that we want to create is going to cost you something, in the same way it cost Peter something. So let's check out Peter's life. In the beginning, when Jesus interacted with him, it was pretty, like, radical, his life changed, because we see in the Scripture that Jesus sees him, he calls him, and Peter's like, all right, I'm going to be obedient. He, doesn't, he did not know the journey that was ahead of him when he's, he was becoming obedient. And, and so then he's following Jesus. He sees these miracles. He's, he's learning. He's growing. Jesus sends him out. He preaches. He comes back. He tells him what he preaches. And then Jesus asks this phenomenal question to all of his disciples. Who do, who do people say I am? And people are like, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this. Some say you're that. And Peter, being the goody-goody, raises his hand. And he goes, ah, but I know who you are. You are Jesus, the son of the living God. And Jesus was excited. He's like, "Woo! that's right, Peter. You got this from the father. Good on you. So then after that, Jesus starts talking about his death. And Peter was like, no, 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 no. Jesus pulls him. I mean, Peter pulls Jesus to the side and says, Jesus, you can't go through this kind of death. And Jesus turns to him. He goes, get thee behind me, Satan. Right. Why am I going to tell you the background of his story? Because look at the up and downs of Peter's life, right? You see him going from, yeah, good on you, Peter, to you are Satan. Anybody else feel that way out there? The roller coaster of life. You feel like, woo, I, I got the right answer. And all of a sudden, I'm the devil himself, right? That's what Peter kind of went through. And then, and then my man walks on water for a second. He walks on water. And, and we always talk about his doubt. But my man walked on water for a second with Jesus. And then later on, this is why I always say that he's Puerto Rican, because he cussed and he shanked somebody <laughs> later on. And, and it was, you know, at, at, at the time, the, the night before Jesus' uh, crucifixion, soldiers came and, and Peter cut someone's ear off. And then during this, again, the ups and downs of Peter's life, Jesus predicts that Peter is going to deny him three times. He predicts this. And you know what Peter says? I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And then as Jesus is being arrested, we see Peter denying Jesus three times. So this roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then we finally get to this place where Jesus dies. 
He resurrects on the third day, and he's interacting with his disciples. And just like all of us, all of us, when we feel defeated, we tend to go backwards. And what we find is we find Peter fishing again, right? Because that's what I know what to do. He goes back and he starts fishing again. And then Jesus goes directly to Peter, and this is where we have this dialogue where he says, Peter, do you love me? Now, it's fascinating that for many reasons, he asks Peter three times. Why? Because he's restoring those three times that he denied him. He's restoring those three times that he denied him. And the funny thing is, our English language fails us sometimes because in the Greek, they actually had six words for the word love, different types of love. The three major ones is eros, which is that erotic love. It's agape, which is like this godly love. And then phileo, which is where we get Philadelphia. And it's a brotherly love. So if I was to go back and read the scripture that I read to you earlier, every single time Jesus is asking him, hey, do you agape me? And Peter's answer is, no, God, I phileo you, which means I dearly love you. And he keeps on peeling, but Peter, do you agape me? Peter's like, no, I phileo you. And the last time, the third time, this is when Jesus says, hey, do you really phileo me? And then Peter goes, Jesus, you know all things. You know I phileo love you. And so that kind of opens up the dialogue a little bit. The English language kind of fails us a little bit because now the context is different. Jesus is basically pulling back the layers and saying, oh, no, let, let, let's get to the point. I know this is where I want you to be. I want you to love me this way, but be honest with yourself and be honest with me because I know it anyway. How do you love me? How do you love me? Because I want to get to this. And it's funny how he chose Peter because of all the ups and downs that Peter had to go through. Peter had to pay a cost to be vulnerable with Jesus. And I love my Jesus because Jesus was vulnerable with him too. Because the part of the story that I didn't tell you is like Jesus brought him everywhere. Jesus had his 12 and then he had his close three, James, John, and Peter. That was his close three. And he allowed those close three to hear him praying this deep, dark prayer to the Father in the garden, right? He allowed those three to see him on the mountain when he interacts with the Father. He allows those three to see a lot of Jesus. And so as we continue to grow as a community and a culture where we're authentic, just know that we might not be able to be authentic with everyone, but do you have your close three that you could be real with? Do you have your close three? He had to pay a price. And I'm gonna arrive three things of the price he paid in order to be vulnerable. Who's ready? Number one, are you willing to pay this price? Just like Peter, are you willing to be loved and not accepted? Are you willing to be loved and not accepted? Whoa, 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 Pastor Mike, if you really love me, wouldn't you accept me? Well, I think in our modern day context, when I say the word accept, that means that what you have to do is you have to accept all of me. But if you really love someone, if I could talk to some of the parents in the room, I adore my kids. I don't accept everything that's in their lives, right? I don't. I don't accept everything that's in their lives. But at times, what we do is we kind of manipulate culture and we say, no, no, no. The only way you can love me is if you first accept me. Now, there's a difference. I, I, I want you to feel like you belong to me. 
but I don't accept everything that's going on in your life because I love you. The Bible actually says that he disciplines those he loves. Hello. He disciplines those he loves. So we have this, this, this culture where everything has to be filtered first so that I could feel accepted, therefore I could feel loved. Can I say that again? We feel like things have to be filtered first so that I could be accepted, then I can feel loved. But are you willing? Because see, at the end of the day, if we're really honest, if we pull back the layers, I'd rather be accepted than loved. Don't you dare challenge me. Don't you dare tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'd rather be accepted more than I'm loved. And what we do is we filter everything, not just on social media, we filter everything. Metaphorically speaking, we have learned to take pictures of our lives from the high angle. Any chunky people in the house, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you don't take a picture like this, no, no, no. Because you, you see all this, you see all this, you don't want to see this, right? You don't want to see the chins, right? That's the hint, fellas. We, we, have a, we have an advantage. If you ever feel like you're getting chunky, just grow a beard. And just shape it right. Mm, it's good. My man's shaking his head at me. But you don't, take that, you don't take the picture from here. You take it from here. Right? And do the duck lips. And we don't take it face on, right? What do we do? We turn to our, our what? Our good side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You turn to your good side. Why? Because it's filtered. We live this filtered life because if I'm not filtered, then you can't accept me. And if I'm not accepted, therefore, I'm not loved. And I love that. And again, if Peter gets a bad rap, he, he allowed himself to be unfiltered with Jesus. And the, sometimes the unfiltered, he got it right. And sometimes the unfiltered was, you are straight up sourced by the devil. But he was unfiltered. He would cut someone, but yet go preach. <laughs> he, would, he would walk on water and then drown in his doubt. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. However, however, he knew that he was loved by Jesus. And he knew Jesus. You have to be willing to pay that price. You have to be willing to pay that price. To be challenged by your close three to be challenged by the people who love you. And that's why, again, because of past church hurts and everything like that, like we love to even out the playing field in church and we don't like leadership and especially this next generation, they want everything flat. They want a flat, you know, structure of hierarchy and nobody's over anyone. But, but the Bible says to make your leader's job a joy because they watch over you. They watch over you. Why? And when they, they, they challenge you or even rebuke you even, it's not because they hate you. In fact, they rebuke you because they love you. Because they want to see you reach your full potential. Because they want to see you reach your purpose and live out your purpose. They want to see you better than you were yesterday. Yet, yeah, we got to be careful, folks, because that's the price we need to pay. Because if we're teaching everyone else that you have to first be accepted in order to be loved, they'll never get there. And what they're going to do is they're going to live filtered lives with high angles and never be true to themselves. Can I get an amen? amen? Number two, are you willing to make strange normal? <laughs> are you willing to make strange normal? And I'm growing in this too. Um, I'm an introvert by nature. I know I'm not supposed to be. I'm a pastor. 
But I am. I'm an introvert in nature. And sometimes I'm caught off guard when people talk to me in the grocery line. Right? I'm caught off guard. And especially in the gym. I don't know what it is. Lord, pray for me. But I get mad when someone just, like, starts talking to me, like, in between a set. You know what I mean? Like, I put on a smile and I take off my headphones. You would think the headphones would be enough. I take off my headphones. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah. Aren't you Pastor Mike? Yeah, man, I'm Pastor Mike. In the back of my head, I'm like, I'm in the middle of a set. Leave me alone. Headphones on, right? But you have to be nice. And, 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 but, but I have to start making that normal. Why? Because, like, we live in a society where no one wants to talk to each other. We live in a society that no, it's, it's, like, it's like foreign for people to be nice. It's foreign for people to be nice. By the way, fellas, I saw this dude um, hit on my wife at the gym. Um, <laughs> there's this element where you think like you're hitting on someone by correcting them, right? Which is funny, it's like a parallel of the church. Because someone came up to my wife, she goes, you're doing those incline bench presses wrong, and da 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 da. And I'm like, A, that's my wife, you didn't back up. <laughs> B, do you really think that that's gonna go well? Like, no, no, no one wants to tell the story. Like, how'd you meet your husband? Oh, he corrected me. That was my first interaction. No one wants to tell that story, right? So, fellas, knock it off. Anyway, but we have to make strange normal. We have to make strange normal. And what I mean by that, it is still weird and strange for people to be vulnerable in the church. How do I know this? I was talking to uh, my buddy Carl, and. Uh, Carl is, is beginning to start this brand new thing called Live Free, um, which is really exciting. It's a, a pe- helping men get off of pornography addiction. And it's funny how, um, it's funny how like the church is scared to talk about that concept, right? And it's like, if you look at the statistics, it actually says this, 68% of men who attend church struggle with pornography, right? And he was talking about how he was talking about this mega church who had thousands of people and they only had like an anti-pornography group of five people, right? So like they're lying to themselves. If the statistics are more than half of the people in this room struggle with that, why are we so afraid to talk about it? Because they fail to make strange normal. And we think that vulnerability is strange. We think that authenticity is strange because it's allowed safer and neater to live filtered lives. And I'm telling you, it's not going to get us anywhere as a body of believers. It's not. Because, hey, watch this. Out of all the disciples, which one was corrected the least? Judas. Which one was corrected the least? Judas. He was the least vulnerable. And he was corrected the least. Do we want to be more like Peter or more like Judas in this situation? Are you willing to make strangers normal? And the last one, are you willing to fall apart in order for him to put you back together? Are you willing to fall apart? No, 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 I'm not willing to fall apart. I'm willing just to be together. I just want to keep it together, right? And we all... And it's funny how Jesus uses the metaphor of wine when he was talking to the religious people. And he's like, you can't put old wine in new wineskins. Many of us, we want to be this wine, this mature believer. Um, But you can't have wine without crushed grapes. You cannot have wine without crushed grapes. And so can we be a church that it's okay to fall apart? Because ultimately, that's when God steps in. 
and puts us back together. That's when God steps in. And the reason why you can't put new wine in old wineskins because not only are grapes crushed, but as they ferment, as they become good tasting wine, wine expands. It expands. We're so afraid to fall apart. We're so afraid to be real. But I'm telling you, those are the moments where God expands your life. He expands your life and he makes you new. And we're so afraid to fall apart in the safest place on earth. Can we be a church that's willing to pay the price? That's willing to pay the price to be vulnerable and to experience the ups and downs just like Peter. But also to to meet face to face with God and to tell him how much you love him. That is our goal. So we have to be a church that's willing to pay that price. We have to. Because ultimately, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be extremely messy. But daggone it, it's going to be worth it. I promise you it's going to be worth it. In Jesus' name. Amen? And amen. Let's all stand up to our feet. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing, uh, sing nothing else again. And, uh, and here's why. Um, let's pull back the layers within ourselves during worship. And to ask ourselves, where are we in our love for him? Where are we in our love for him? And the Bible says that we cannot love until he loves us first. So maybe for the first half of the song, you have to just let God's love wash over you and then return the love. Return the love. Make strange normal in your worship today. Make strange normal in your worship today and see what God's presence does in your heart. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father,